You're listening to Females in Fantasy, a podcast elevating the voices of women authors of science fiction and fantasy who write about kick-ass heroines. I am your host, Brianna Da Silva, and this is Season 3, Episode 4. Today, we're talking with Nicole Pierman uh, to continue the conversation that started with Francina Simone at the beginning of this season about book controversies and cancel culture in the book community. Nicole and I are going to discuss the concept of harmful books, censorship, and how to have productive conversations online. Also, we respond to some of the counter arguments out there from people who think the cancel culture in the book community is a good thing. Now, this episode is a little bit longer, just like Francina's was. Nicole and I felt we couldn't really do this topic justice in a a regular 30-minute episode, so is what it is. All right, here's my conversation with Nicole. Welcome, Nicole, to the Females in Fantasy podcast. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. Today's like a really beautiful, gorgeous spring day where I'm at. It's it just is. like Same. Yeah, same. Oh, my goodness. It's been great because it's like the kind of up and down, like, you don't know, it's starting to get cold and then it gets warm and then it's like in the 70s and uh, everything. The world is better when <laughs> the temperature is nice. Yeah, I read outside yesterday. And I'm going to do that again today because it's so nice out and it's not windy here. I think the wind ruins it for me, Mm. even if it's like in the 70s, but it's a really cold wind. I'm just not going to sit outside. I am not a cold person. I enjoy summer like 90 degrees. Mm. That's me. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) Same. I would rather be like hot and sweaty than like really cold. But yeah. Yeah. Frostbite. Yeah, yeah. I'm not into frostbite. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. Um, so I always start these conversations off just kind of letting you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you first got into writing, things like that. Oh, let's see. <laughs> how did I get into writing? I guess I was in middle no I was in elementary school and I wrote a poem about the last unicorn for <laughs> some awesome. project. I don't even know what that project was and I Looking back, I'm pretty impressed by that teacher because I think it was in second grade and she assigned us to write a poem. Okay, cool. I'll go write a poem. (laughs) And it was laminated by her because it was so great, apparently. (laughs) I mean, for a second grader writing poems, I would say that's pretty good. So (laughs) I understand that she was very impressed to laminate it and then she gave it out to me. And it was on the fridge for a very long time. And then I decided to start writing actually my first novel, A Patriot's Tale, in in middle school, sometime in middle school. And like when I was 12, I started it. It's about the Revolutionary War. And my main character is a female. And so she can't really do that much, but she's had so much loss that it's just basically i just want to kill some british (laughs) soldiers soldiers i'm like because her whole family dies Mm. and that's really the basis for a lot of people in the revolutionary Mm. war um so i thought that was a good deal and i i made her a honeypot and that's how that went and i was having a real struggle with my writing for a long time And so one of my friends, Gracie, shout out Gracie, she said, you know, have you ever heard of Wattpad? I think uh, you should really try it out Um, because I was at a point where I wanted to give Mm -hmm. up 
I didn't know what you know to do because really historical fiction in the young adult genre is not a thing <laughs> unless you have some like gender bent thing. Yeah, it's not as popular as I wish it would be. As I love that kind of stuff. That was I was really into that when I was younger. Yeah, like historical fantasy. The first a Patriot's Tale. There's no fantasy in it. It's just straight historical up historical fiction, f- fiction. Mm-hmm. and it's not a thing, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. And I was not going to add magic, or you know, I wasn't going to add that stuff because that's not the point of that first book. So I posted it on Wattpad, and it's almost at fifty-two. A uh, thousand reads, awesome. and it was shortlisted for the uh, 2018 Wadis. It almost won, but it didn't. But oh. it's fine. Because, <laughs> That's still awesome. Um, yeah, so it hit a point where oh, there are enough readers that it hits fifty two thousand, and the writing was good enough that it made it to a round of only. I think it was like 200 books. So I was proud about that. And I also do, I also write poetry and I haven't for a long time, but my Wattpad mainly consists of uh, poetry. And then I'm currently working on my second novel, which is, which is historical fantasy. So up now, now onwards, that's just going to be all historical fantasy. (laughs) The first book wasn't. Giving into the the market or (laughs) no. I just really love magic, but for the first that first book, I was like, I just don't. It doesn't need it. I think it's fine without it. But now, I mean, see, I'm really strict in the what is fantasy because my second manuscript, she can see into the future. I count that as magic because it's just yes. not a thing. So that's that's the extent of like. There's no like fairies or magic you know out of people's fingers that's not that there are many different types of fantasy this is true yes when you see into the future and you're kind of you're using that to try and win a war i find that that counts as fantasy okay yeah for some people listening they might not know what wattpad is could you explain that real quick oh yeah so uh wattpad is one of the most popular uh free reading and uh, writing sites it has I think it's closing in on 65 million users per year. And it's just where uh, writers and readers go to read free books. And you learn about the business because you have to have a fantastic book cover. Mm -hmm. Where do you go to get that book cover? You have to, of course, edit and write well or else you're not going to get reads. You have to have a great summary. You have to learn Mm -hmm. how to market yourself because if you're not doing any of those things and you don't take the time and dedication and the patience for a Wattpad, you're not, you know, you're not going to see results, but that's any market. Yes. Yes. Basically. It's competition. It's got to stand out. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So let's get into the main topic of the day. Um, This is kind of like a, a part two of a general a general topic, I would say. Um, Francina and I kind of started it off. There's a lot more that um, we didn't get to talk about, even though it's a super long thing. Um, and so you are also really interested in this topic. So thank you for coming on to talk about it. Um, so basically, and just in case people don't know, if they haven't listened to part one, um, this, the general topic is cancel culture, I guess you would say, um, in the YA book community and kind of how it 
it's really something that comes, at least I think it comes from a good place, from a desire to to do good. Um, but it really has the potential to backfire. It's just kind of a really a really messy, complex thing. And it is kind of nuanced. So that's why I think it's worth taking time to to go into the details. So one of the things that I'd love to discuss is kind of there's been this, I would say this way people are kind of talking past each other with this, because it has been a topic that has become more um, well-known beyond the book community. So there, there have been the articles about it and there's been a lot of not really conversation, but an attempt at it um, online. And sometimes I think people kind of define things differently. And one of those things would be the concept of critiquing. Um, kind of one of the counter arguments to the cancel culture being a, being a problem has been the idea that, well, we should be able to critique. <laughs> we should be able to critique works. Um, and that's, of course, true. But there is like a difference between that and then more of like attacking an author. In your opinion, kind of where does that difference lie, and like what's why do you think people kind of are landing at a different a different place with that? In your view, it's a deep deep question. Oh, I think art, yeah, art has always had a problem with censorship. Doesn't matter what country or time period, and that's why art is so important to me personally. Like, you can of course argue what type what is and isn't art because there's this I don't live in New York City so I I don't go to those big art galleries where now art is questioned where like you have these art galleries where <laughs> you have like a toilet that's spray painted and that's called art to a lot of people and some people think that's just a toilet with spray paint on it I don't get it that's not art that's trash and it goes into literature as well because some people don't think that poetry is art. Some people don't think um, slam poetry is art. Some people don't think that uh, romance... Genre fiction. <laughs> yeah. Some people think, oh, the romance genre is trash. It's not art. It's just whatever. So how do you define art? <laughs> That's really difficult. Because even in philosophy, there's a whole, you know, subgenre of philosophy where they discuss and debate what art is and what beauty is. So it's very difficult for me to say if something is art or not. It's subjective. Because it really, it's all subjective. And so is people's opinions. Opinions aren't facts, they're opinions. If you think that the romance genre is trash. Well, that's your opinion. It's not a fact because there's, it's a billion dollar <laughs> industry. Like they make billions and a lot of people read romance. Um, and it's the same thing for sci-fi and contemporary and just, it's just about taste and your opinion. And that's all really subjective. Now, critiquing is, also an opinion and it's what you feel from your experiences and your tastes and that's how you critique a book or an author which i err on the side of caution of critiquing uh the artist but of course that happens and i think um i'm not going to get the quote 100 correct but andy warhol said um, to just create art and keep creating art and let everyone else decide 
They can love it. They can hate it. It doesn't matter. Just keep doing your art because it's your art. And that's how you let go and you release as an artist. It doesn't matter what kind of art it is. And they can critique it all they want. When you release it, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> and that's your choice. But And the urge is instead of... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, the problem of like harassing and doxing and threatening people that's obviously a problem and i i feel that um that's not critiquing that's being a bully basically <laughs> especially when you're doxing sorry that's illegal you can't do that and that's where you people really have to draw the line and I, i'm going to get back to that topic of bullying in a second um but i want to first talk about harm because that's the thing is that you know we would say okay it's good to critique art you know do your thing but you shouldn't stop people from making art because you have an opinion that it's bad or, or whatever. But people are, would then argue, they would say, yeah, but this book is harmful. And this book can, it needs to be stopped. It shouldn't be released because it will harm people, which is a very interesting thing because again, it's an opinion that people are, are stating. It's often these things that they, that they critique is, you know, people uh, that share the same identity or, you know, will, will disagree. It's not like it's always so, um, so obvious, unless something's being written intentionally to harm. Like when people are specifically writing something with the intent to make a group of people look bad, that's different. But most of the time, these things are like, oh, someone, you know, kind of like a stereotype went in there or like something that people didn't really, it's something unconscious or whatever, but it's subjective. But what do you, what do you think about that? That idea that people are saying, yes, but this is harmful and we need to protect people. And so that's more important than this whole idea of, oh, protecting the art, we have to protect people. What would you say to that? I probably will get flack for this, but there's how many? Seven billion people in the world. Mm -hmm. You can't protect everyone. I don't think it's really your duty to protect everyone. You're one person or like a group of dozen people. How are you going to do that? I don't think censoring a book or books like um, what they used to do in the 90s where it was the conservative religious exactly, people trying yeah. to censor books because that's harmful and that's against mm -hmm. our values well there's seven i don't it wasn't seven billion people in the 90s or maybe it was still a lot i don't know <laughs> still a lot <laughs> of people a kid but but it was it was billions of people how can you you can't say that there's just too many people and also that it's an opinion and people, when you tell people don't do this, don't read this, don't watch this, don't listen to it, yeah, that's not going to work out. Because how many people in the 70s and 80s told their teenagers, don't listen to metal, don't listen to rock, don't listen to punk, it's evil. How many kids listened to it <laughs> and then fell in love with it because you're telling them, something that's your opinion and they want to rebel and they're going to yeah it's the whole like uh it's all like the, what happened in the 20s they like made it illegal to have alcohol for a little while guess what happened alcohol spiked people wanted it more because it was not allowed yeah. anymore that that just outright banning things is not really a very good long-term strategy no no you can't We're way do too curious <laughs> sorry humans are very rebellious and you can't it just doesn't work out because even if you get some people will agree and 
be, you know, say, oh, it is harmful. I mean, I haven't read it, but it's, I bet it's harmful. You'll get some of those people, of course, but most people will say, I don't even know you. Why are you telling me what to do? It's a rebellious human nature that really would and does prevent that from happening. And one of the things that, that I feel like is also worth discussing is this idea that a book can harm people. I, I feel like it's a little bit overstated. Um, and it's like, I understand it's, it's like, it's true in a way, like I understand where it's coming from because certainly media has quite an impact on people. I mean, that's like one of the main themes of this podcast even is like wanting to be aware of how people are, are represented and, and how that can totally affect, uh, the mindset of the culture. But I think it's worth understanding that one single work of art, one single book or movie is not actually that impactful. It's more like when you have a pattern, right? Like, so it's like, if you, I'll just give an example. You have a, a story where there's one gay character and the gay character dies in the end. Okay. A, a character died. No big deal, whatever. But if you have a whole bunch of books coming out and like, you know, and 90% of them, whenever there's a gay character, that gay character dies, that, that is what would create kind of that, this kind of like unconscious, like, they feeling along a lot with a lot of gay people where it's like hard to see a happy ending even in their life because they're used to seeing gay people having unhappy endings. It's more about the pattern and it's, it's the pattern plus cultural ideas that are already existent in, in, in the culture because it's a, it's a feedback loop, right? It's the media is, inter is influenced by the culture and the culture is influenced by media. They both are happening together. And I think people need to remember that. Like we want to put an extreme example of when something came out that had a really horrific effect on our culture. Um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it, uh, Birth of the Nation, right? So when that movie came out, it was very much intentionally dehumanizing Black people. It, it was largely responsible for the rise of the KKK in the United States, okay? But that the reason why that had that impact was because there were already such extreme hostility hostilities towards Black people in the United States. So make, that movie was influenced by what was already there, and then it exasperated it. You know, it, it kind of encouraged that in people. If something like that were released today, like, are you kidding me? People aren't gonna like. People aren't gonna be okay with that. They would shut it down. They'd be like, "Oh, that's terrible," because because the culture is different right now. We're we're way 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 more like egalitarian in a lot of ways, and we're a lot more accepting. Um, we still have problems with racism, of course, um, but not nearly to the extent that we did, you know, a hundred years ago. It's very very different. Um, and so it's like, it's not just something coming out that will harm people. It's more like a lot of things having patterns will, has an impact. It has an impact, but it's, it's not, it's not so strong and powerful that like one book that has one stereotype or one thing that's bad is going to harm people. That's, that's what I think gets overstated. Would you agree with that? Or do you think there's other like nuances to that that we should keep in mind. Yeah, but and it's also about I think social media has really heightened the obsession over people's feelings. And it's just just because you're hurt by something doesn't mean that you have to shut it all down. Like I see things that offend me all the time. So what? That's life. You're going to get offended all the time. I'm offended by things fairly often but like when you're on social media how many people use twitter <laughs> like you are going to be offended how many people in the world a lot of people they're you're not going to agree with everything that seven billion people say 
that's just impossible and you're going to get offended. And there's this feeling of just so I'm offended. Well, then that's my feelings and I'm justifying those feelings. Sure. But if you're trying to censor people or art, that's a big jump from I'm offended and it, I'm, I feel hurt to, okay, well, then no one can watch or read this or listen to this. And that's always been an issue with humans since, who knows, like a long time. Yeah, I, I do think sometimes those, those two things do get conflated. It's like someone's having their feelings hurt versus it being something that is harmful. It's like if there are bad feelings, then that means the book is harmful. Um, it can be an indication of something that maybe is bad or shouldn't be there, but isn't necessarily. And I, I agree that there's this kind of sense that like we need to create things that are like catered to people's feelings and that is a horrible way to create art like it good art should actually push people's buttons and it should be uncomfortable in their in in like the right ways right um i'll give a personal example there's a book that i read recently that um made me uncomfortable and i didn't really like it but i thought it was great literature and it was in the adult genre and i was realizing that if it had been in why young adult if they had like sensitivity readers or something i think they would have changed these things and i and i don't think it would have made it a better story um, so basically, um, uh, well, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to say what the name of the book is because then I'm, this is going to be a spoiler if I do, but, um, it was a, there was a, it was a story that had, there was, um, same sex romance or whatever. And then it kind of ended in tragedy, but it ended in such a way that like, it was really necessary to the story. I mean, that was like, that was, it was a really gut-wrenching, like, that's how the story should have been told. <laughs> right. And so, um, I didn't like that just because I'm so like, I'm like, oh, I don't like having all these like same sex romances that always end in tragedy. I'm just kind of bored of it. I'm just like tired of it. I don't want to read it anymore. But if that wasn't a pattern, I wouldn't have at all been bothered by it. You know, it's the book itself needed to end that. Like it was, it was a really good book. It was really good literature. And, um, and that's totally fine that I was made uncomfortable. A good book shouldn't be good. Like shouldn't make everyone comfortable. You know, it's, it's gotta be able to have the room to kind of push the edges of, of things. And sometimes you might make a step that you're like, eh, maybe I didn't, maybe that wasn't the best, but I don't think you shouldn't be so hemmed in for creativity. You got to be able to have room to move and explore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, art is an inherently uncomfortable for the uh, creator because how many times have we cried? <laughs> how many times have we thought, I just want to give up? <laughs> and that's uncomfortable for us and having to decide how the ending is and all that stuff. It's just uncomfortable for the artist. And then when that art goes out into the world, it can be uncomfortable for the viewer. But art is uncomfortable. And that's why it's so important. And I think. One thing that a few people did not like me saying in one of my latest uh, booktube videos, I'm, I do booktube as well, was that I don't trust people and their um, reviews. I don't. Do I know you? I don't know you. I don't even know your first name because you have a screen name. Why would I trust your opinion when I haven't read the book? It's the same thing for movies. It's the same thing for music. I would like to decide for myself as an individual, I want to decide for myself. And that's for everything, everything, not just art. And people were offended. And I, I knew it was that video 
because when I uploaded it 20 minutes later, I had a dislike and I lost five followers. I was like, okay. <laughs> but I mean, people don't like hearing that, that I don't trust your opinion. I don't. I don't know you. I don't know why that should be controversial. Like we all should be able to think for ourselves. I, I assume that's basically all that you're saying. Like, I don't know. I know. And it was just, I don't know what happened with Blood Air because I haven't read the book. I want to read the book now. I really want to read the book now because it was, they were, she was harassed so much that she pulled it voluntarily, but she still pulled it. And I was like, well, what's in that book? How many people on Twitter saw what happened and said, well, I want to read the book now? I saw a lot of people say that. And that's what, you do. If she hadn't pulled it, it probably would have been good for it herself. Yeah. <laughs> the controversy would have been. It, it's like, that's the opposite of what, yeah, it's like, why are you guys doing this? Like, And also the fact, like, if it was true, I can't say because I didn't read the book. But if it was true, why did she have to completely pull it? Why couldn't she just edit it and have sensitivity readers and then redid it? I think the idea is that that might still happen because it was a delayed thing. So it, it may happen. But um, when that happened with, oh, what was the name of the, the continent, I think. And there were still people that when that was released, some people were still like, oh, it should have never even been written in the first place. You can't fix this. Um, and it's like, okay, that's your opinion. Um, that's not really a fact. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> read it, so I can't say. Sorry, <laughs> I don't trust that opinion because I need to read it for myself. These things are not so simple in black and white. And some people think that it is. It's it gets moralized, right? It's like this is a this is a, a good and bad. This is like good and evil almost. It's like, um, no, it's not actually that simple. This is art. Art is can be interpreted a lot of ways. It's subjective. You're reading it with your own personal experience, your own insecurities, your own personal pain and things like that. And all that is valid. But other people will read it with different perspectives and they may have a totally different experience. They may get something really good out of it. Yeah. This whole good and evil, good and bad, is really seeped in religion that we still have, especially in America. But it's rarely good and evil because human beings are not 100% good. Oh, no, they are not. <laughs> like, I could be a good person, but I can offend. Other people say that I'm just trouble and I'm a bad person for these views. And don't talk to her or that you can find something because it's an opinion. Also, I mean, there are people that do uh, bad stuff, but then somehow there's some good in there. Like, for example, like they love animals and they, they seem to care about animals, but everything else they did to humans is absolutely atrocious. So how can you wrap your brain around that? You can't fully because humans are just weird. Very complicated. And and this is not to say that there is no such thing as like objective morality. I would, I would, because I, I think so many people may be saying, oh, you're saying that it's almost like excusing or explaining away that like nothing is. It's like, no, certainly there are things. There are things that I think we can all kind of agree on as humans that are right and wrong. But when it comes to the complexities and nuances of art, Art is, is, is a kind of a different thing because um, it's art is not the same. At, like expressing something in art is not the same as expressing it in real life because it can have layers to it. It can be, you know, it can be metaphorical. It can be um, uh, it can be satirical. It can be like there are so many different different like 
meanings that can come in when you're creating something with art. And so you have to be able to recognize that and, and, and allow it its room to be interpreted and um, and to be critiqued. And um, but yeah, it's it's not a good idea to be so uh, confining with it. I should have gone with it seems on Twitter and other s- online social media. It's 100 percent good or 100 percent bad. If you don't agree 100 percent on this side, then you're just on the other side. Well, that's not how that works, <laughs> especially when it comes to art. You can't be 100% good when it comes to art because it's, a, it's opinions. And you might say that, you know, this author spoke to this person in a horrible way, so she's bad. Well, that was one time and it was a one minute clip. And who had, you just don't know. You're saying no one ever has moments of being rude. Like someone, someone was rude once. Oh God, they're an evil person. It's like, come on, can, can you be a little bit like realistic here and, and recognize that we're humans? And also social media does bring out the worst. Yeah. Of us. <laughs> so now, they're like so quick to cancel people. It's like, can, can we have some grace with each other? And like, you know, like have a, have a little, have a little realism and. The grace and mercy and forgiveness part is actually missing in social media. And that's one of the, I would say, one part of religion that is needed to a certain extent. (laughs) Okay, Not like there are some people that you just don't forgive them. And that's perfectly fine if you don't want to. I'm sure you can justify that. And I'm sure like people that are victims of horrible cases like sexual violence. Yeah, don't forget that person. Good. But if you're saying... That's a totally different level. That's a totally different level from what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, different level. But when you're thinking, oh, she wrote something that I don't agree with. Done. She's evil. <laughs> I'm like, calm down. Okay, can we... Let's bring it back. Bring it back. What did she do? <laughs> what did he do? Well, I mean... <laughs> here what is it well like this line in and this paragraph in the whole book that's a 600 page book i'm just confused i need to read this book and then you read it like the black witch people will pulling out just lines and just this one paragraph and posted it on goodreads and gave it one star i didn't read this book but here's a paragraph she's racist she's sexist she's homophobic she's ableist don't read this book i haven't read this book but here is the paragraph in this 600 page book that says otherwise and i was like that doesn't make any sense and i read the book and i'm like you just missed the whole point of the black witch you missed it and you don't know what you're talking about and you said that and you accused this author of of things that she's not that's the problem with going black and white good and evil she's horrible he's horrible you have to be perfect i'm sorry no one's perfect you can't and you really can't just pull out a text in page 264 and say yeah this is bad she's this stuff don't read it i didn't read it but don't read it you're missing everything so let's talk a little bit about bullying that was something that you mentioned earlier um there's this kind of a thing that happens with uh power dynamics where well basically where people will make it as if there is this set hierarchy of power and that that is universal and there is no like 
Well, let's just say, let's just be direct. Like someone will say that um, if you have, say, uh, a person of color that is an author and you have someone that's a white author, that the white author inherently has some sort of power or some sort of like whatever privilege. And maybe there are certain situations in life where that's the case. However, however, these things are complex. So if you are someone, no matter what, no matter what identities you possess, and you have a very large following on Twitter, not just a large following, a large following of people who love to listen to you and who believe everything you say and are like, we're ready to go and fight on your behalf. And then you have another author, no matter what identities they may possess, who's a very young up and coming author, like not young, but like <laughs> fresh new, like they don't have much of a following. They don't have a lot of a social support. And then you secure even unintentionally, even, you know, you bring light to something that you find problematic about them. And then your followers are ready to go and like attack them. I'm sorry, but in that situation, you have power. You have more power than that person does in this specific situation. Right. Um, and so I see that as bullying. Um, it, it, I mean, it depends. It's a very, you know, depends on the situation. Obviously I don't want to make some broad sweeping statement, but it can be if you're using your big following and then someone else has a small following, um, but yeah, what do you think about about that? Yeah, I definitely agree. And also the fact that some people don't want to talk about their personal lives online. And definitely, I would say that's a good bet. Don't do that. So you see, like, so it's um, a new author and he, she is American. And you see that they're white. Okay. But do you know anything else? No. Maybe they're uh, bisexual. Maybe they're gay. Maybe they're uh, transgender. You don't know because they're not talking about it. So when you're attacked, and so this person has um, a gay um, MC or something along those lines, and they're attacked. An MC stands for main character, just in case anyone doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they're attacked and like, but you're not gay. You can't write that. Well, but you don't know. And so this person is uh, is having a dilemma, and I've seen it before. They're having a dilemma of, do I come out? And justify that. Yeah, that's terrible. It's not your business. You don't know, especially. And then I saw, um, I don't read Young Adult Contemporary, so I don't remember the title. But it's a contemporary about the mom and a daughter, and the mom's very abusive, and the daughter has um, mental illness stemming from that abuse and so people were attacking this female author saying it was bad mental illness and abuse uh, representation how dare you and she comes out on twitter in a thread that says this is um basically based on my life this is my mother and this is me sorry it's terrible that she had to do that right yes and it's not your business because there's there is this universal experience of of abuse and that's the only way you can show it like what the hell what does that even mean like how, how do you not recognize such vast differences in human experiences like there's no like one experience for any of those kind of things like, yeah and mental illness is very com very complex it's not the same for everyone especially when it comes from trauma don't say that it's the same for everyone or that someone else is, and that someone, sorry to interrupt you, but that really frustrates me that someone else has a legitimate experience and they're writing about it, but then their real life experience is problematic rep. Like that, that tells me that something very rotten is happening in the way we talk about representation. If 
if it comes to the point where someone's actual experience is deemed problematic, there is something really messed up and ideological about the way we're approaching this topic. Yeah, and this happened with White Stag. Wow, sorry, Kara. I blanked so hard on your book name. She's a, a Wattpad reader, and her book White Stag was published. So the arc went out, and people were saying that it was horrible sexual violence representation and mental illness. Yet yeah, turns out that she's very open that she is a survivor. So she had to include the author note that said, I wrote this book based on my experience. I mean, they caught it and they caught it in the arc. I didn't read her arc and I'm still, um, you know, waiting to get money <laughs> to buy the book. So I haven't read the book, but that's really difficult too, because I'm sure I didn't talk to her about this, but I'm assuming that that really hurt that people are saying this is bad representation, horrible. It's just filled with angst. It's not real. It, and it's just like, but she wrote it to cope after what happened. So that's why you really need to just think before you tweet or think before you write a book review because you don't know. And it's not people's business to just lay everything out. Yeah. And I think it's also really important to, to, to recognize just this whole idea of opinion versus fact. I think that's really, I think that might be the core. I said there's something rotten about the way we talk about it. I think that might be the core of what's wrong is that people are equating the two, something that's a very deeply held opinion or, or conviction, and they're treating that as some sort of a universal. And it's like, you are fully and entirely like, you know, you can have that opinion and that is great and you can express it and share it, but it needs to be understood to be an opinion that, um, and that these things are a lot more complex and varied and individuals are individuals. And so like, if we can do that, I feel like that would make a really big difference in the way we talk about these things. You know, you might say, I really didn't like this representation. This was not, this didn't reflect my experience. Great. People can read that review and then they might read the book with a grain of salt or, you know, whatever. And they may, may have that in mind or they might not read it at all. Um, but to say that because you specifically didn't connect with it or you specifically even thought it like hurt your feelings and it, you know, it made you uncomfortable or you thought it was really problematic, whatever that means. That's still an opinion. And it's very possible that other people feel differently. Um, and it's, you know, it's not, it's not so harmful that <laughs> it needs to not exist. Right. Yeah. I think there's a very fine line between with censorship because if you give an inch they're going to keep taking inches and then it's going to be feet and it's just we're going to go into 1984 and people might say okay it's not going to happen it happened in other countries don't say that it's never going to happen because it has before and especially and it, it starts with the art it pretty much always starts with the art and with things that are offensive to a certain mindset yeah. and that it has to be conformed to that mindset. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a red flag. And even if the government doesn't have that mindset and I'm speaking about America, local, state, federal, whichever that is, they see that happening. It's becoming popular, more and more popular. Censor this, censor that. Oh, so they agree with censorship in a way. Okay. Interesting. They'll start pushing and they'll see how far they can go. Why would you trust 
anyone to do that because anyone with power, you know, talking about power again, be just trustful of people with power. I I don't. Yeah. The government is made up of people. People are running it. Are you going to trust people with that? I don't know. And then what if, especially when you give people that kind of power, um, you may think that like they may today use it to protect you or people you care about, but then tomorrow someone else can come and take their place that has a very different worldview, a very different uh, agenda, and they can use it against you. It's like, hello. Yeah. Um, and, and also the warning of 1984 is it's, uh, it's really relevant because that book is talking about it started with the people mm-hmm. kind of censoring themselves. Um, yeah. It, you, people have to kind of want it and be okay with it before it goes to other levels. Yeah. And then I, you see like some local libraries in certain states not carrying books. That's a bit of a form of censorship to me because it's a local library. It's funded from, you know, government. Some pe- and for some people, that's the only way they can access Yeah, books, so right? you're not going to so. carry certain books because why? I mean, this is a... Because they didn't follow a set ideology, right? And it's, that's pushing it for me. Now, is that going to go all the way to the top? I can't say yes or no because, I mean, weird stuff happens, okay? <laughs> and it's just, that unsettles me. And I just don't want that to happen. I mean, there's a weird law that might or might not be passed in Florida where if it's for libraries, where if something is deemed inappropriate, they might or might not carry it. Why would you want that to happen? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's that's one of those goalposts that you can just move as much as you want. Oh, it's inappropriate. And you just keep nudging it and nudging it. And it's like, so here's the thing, too. I think, especially if I'm talking to someone that maybe IDs is progressive or, or some, you know, kind of has that worldview, that political leaning, as often is for people that are um, kind of involved in the cancel culture. Think about if whatever the level of canceling that you're comfortable with, would you be comfortable with the people that had opposite views, people that were more conservative? Would you be comfortable with them doing the same thing to you? Yeah. Then it's like, if you're not, then maybe you shouldn't be normalizing this because it's very possible that that kind of thing can happen if if one group of people are able to find a way to cancel things that they don't like it's other groups can might be like hey i'm let's we'll, we'll try the same thing i mean that's that is that has happened not in the book industry that i'm aware of although you know they that was kind of an issue with conservatives as you were saying a little while ago but um i've seen you know people try to get like in other industries people try to get someone hired someone fired for for an issue and then the other side ideologically the other you know political end will do the same thing to someone they don't like and then they're successful it's like hey you even even with non-governmental power even with like cultural power that kind of stuff it's not just going to be you that's going to exert it that's why it's not okay yeah there was in the 70s and 80s and i guess like the very early 90s it was a whole problem with metal and rock and punk trying to ban it from a lot of places because it was the idea at the time that it was satanic. <laughs> and I was like, and right. I was talking um, to my boyfriend about that. And I was like, did they really say it? And he was like, yes, you can look that up on YouTube. People were arguing to ban metal because they thought it was satanic. What? And there were places that did like some radios 
didn't do it because they said oh, satanic. It's involved with Satanism. Yeah, we're not going to have anything to do with it. And I was like, if you're born in the 90s, you don't know that. There was a decade's worth of arguments over metal and if it was dangerous and evil. And the same thing for rock and punk. But people forget history because, I mean, for a lot of reasons. But that was, that's art, that's music. It's an opinion. It's not a fact. <laughs> don't ban it. <laughs> Just let it be. I mean, rock and punk aren't mainstream and metal aren't mainstream. You don't hear it really on the radio. And there's very few uh, radio stations with that. But it's very much alive. But I think in a way it was hurt by those decades of propaganda and what would happen. And I just don't want that to happen with any type of art again, basically. There's a counter argument that I've seen um, basically about specifically. So one of the one of the things that people like us have been saying as we've been talking about this has been hey, if you have a critique of a book and you think, you really think, okay, this is really, really dangerous or something, okay, and uh, you think the author should be aware of that because maybe they have um, values like you and they don't want to write that kind of a thing and um, it was accidental. And um, So we've said, okay, why can't you talk to them? <laughs> why can't you reach out to that author if, if it really bothers you? Um, and, you know, and then hope that they'll perhaps edit it if they want to. The counter argument has been, yeah, but we don't want to just talk about these things in the shadows. We want to be able to talk about this publicly so that we can prevent others from making the same mistake. We have to make these public conversations so that other people can, you know, not make these same mistakes. And I have my own thoughts on that, but I want to let you give whatever your thoughts are first to that uh, response to that counter argument. What do you think? That's a difficult one because if you're doing it online how many people are on twitter a lot and it's just like but you're not you're not going to i don't think you're gonna have great <laughs> you really don't have great conversations on twitter one because you only have was it 240 250 characters plus so you can't really have a good conversation um and then when you when you're online, you're not very empathetic because you're not looking at someone face to face. And are you really going to, you know, curse that person out or insult them like you would do if they're sitting in front of you with a cup of coffee in a public, you know, coffee house? And the, it's, it gets very, very tribal on online, especially when you're, when you, set something up like this person it's a problem well if you set it up like that then the vast majority of people are not going to want to help or debate nicely <laughs> if you set it up like it's a it's already a bad situation this person's bad well you're not going to get a, any positivity from that um unless well like like what happened, people were defending the author of Blood Air because she was getting so much stuff. But the initial conversation was, from what I saw, mainly just kind of just subtweeting passive aggressive. And then they shouted out to her on Twitter and it just became a hot mess. 
that's not really at least maybe do it like in a writing circle like that's what the point of writing circles are that's not the point of twitter <laughs> so i think we need yeah, to twitter go it's really messy yeah you have to go back to like the the original writing critique circle go around the circle what did you think that's great do that but if you're adding someone on twitter and you're saying this is a problem you're not going to get what that per that author deserves or what anyone deserves because it's twitter <laughs> it's twitter i don't know yeah and it can get very combative um and it just it's it you're already kind of starting off on another on a different note but another thing basically my my thoughts on that counter argument is that i don't think that's true at all i don't think that basically that that's the only way to have a so let me reword that I do think that it's good to have these as public conversations because if it's a problem that you, you know, someone has opinion that they think something's a problem that we need to stop doing this certain kind of a thing in fiction because it has certain effect on the way we think about people, whatever. Sure. You know, I've had plenty of <laughs> episodes like that here on the podcast talking about these things. This is an example of how you can do that without attacking a specific author, right? Like I've had plenty of people like I think this podcast, the existence of it kind of is a counter argument to that counter argument. It's like, uh, you can have these conversations. I've had so many people come on and had been like, all right, so what are some, what are some stereotypes or some tropes that you're tired of? What are things you'd love to see more of or things you'd love to see less of? And then someone shares their specific opinion. And uh, we did it. We never had to name names or point out certain books and be like, this book needs to be canceled because I don't like it. We just be like, hey, this is kind of how I feel about this. I, this is what I think. Um, you know, like, and, and people, and the point, and the important point there is that people that are interested in writing stories in a certain kind of way are going to, they're going to look out for these kind of conversations. They're going to be listening. They're going to, you know, I've had people, like, I don't mean this as like, oh, patting myself on the back, but like, I've had people that have reached out and said that listening to the podcast has helped them in the way that they think about how they write characters. That's awesome. It's helped me, right? Having these conversations. Um, but if you're going to go out of your way to, kind of target a specific person or a specific book it's just like you don't have to do it that way like that's not the only way to talk about these issues and um you may just have that person like digging their heels more like you don't have to you know it doesn't have to be a battle it can be a conversation and if you're if you're targeting a specific book and if and if the result of that is people feeling afraid to write then that's not healthy. That's not a healthy way to to have these. It's not a conversation at that point. That's it's a totally different situation. It is, it's bullying. It's whatever the word is you want to use for it. It's people shouldn't. The response shouldn't be fear, and that is a response. People are, are in the book community are afraid to be the subject of these cancel you know callouts. Um, that's that's a sign of unhealth, and it's like you can talk about these things publicly. And that's not the only way to do it. Yeah. And it's, I think it really has to, the problem has just gone worse with social media and how big the internet is because sure, of course there were people um, that didn't like literature and thought it was bad, but, uh, or that like in the past, in the past, but they don't, have twitter for to sh to shoot out all these tweets and have uh thousands or maybe millions of people uh, uh react to it whereas like the local 
news station or radio or um, newspaper, well, it kind of goes only so far in that um, anger, but it goes really far <laughs> on the internet. And when, like, it, the internet's really changed. <laughs> and it used to be fun. <laughs> like, you could joke and it'd be totally fine. Like, I grew up on chat rooms. Like, when I started when I was 12, and we knew what a troll was, and we just poked the troll <laughs> on there, and it was funny, and they were offensive, and they, like, just tried to freak us out when we were kids, and maybe it was, like, maybe it was a teenager, maybe it was a 40-year-old woman, like, we don't know, because it's the chat room, but you learned how to work with weird people on chat rooms and now chat rooms not a thing now it's twitter and facebook and instagram and how do you as a young person or just anyone in general work with people that are always angry like you can't it's really hard to be funny or just have a great time because someone's gonna say oh i don't find that funny and it's and just share their opinions over something like I don't really tweet stuff that gets that kind of thing, but I've seen other people tweet something about, oh, they might not like this book, and oh, they get attacked, and they just, calm down. <laughs> calm down. It's an opinion. They didn't like the book. It's fine. And then it turns into a Twitter fight, and it's just... just just because someone doesn't like your favorite book, for example, doesn't mean you have to start a fight. Or you doesn't mean you have to start insulting people. Or, like, people will find stuff to be, um, to troll other people in just any community. Not just the book community, just any community. Especially if someone's passionate about it. They'll just, they'll just start going. Yeah, people take trolls too easily. It's it's kind of a problem. They think that trolls are serious. Like you guys do know that there are some people that go on the internet literally just to met up with people. I have I have some brothers that do that sometimes, only in a different format. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. It's just, it's like because they people they know that like you can get a certain reaction out of people, and especially if those people are like just very very on edge, and some people just find that funny. You really can find that. You can find a lot of people on edge, and they will bait it and i was like stop don't, don't let them get to you it. guys they're laughing you're feeding they are laughing they're just laughing they're like oh this person is upset oh she said she's crying i love it stop it just don't let the trolls <laughs> run your life but you're turning yourself into a joke yeah it's like but people don't have the experience that i have of you know trolling you know other trolls and that so much that with a group of other of my friends that the trolls like leave and they never come back again <laughs> they don't have that because chat rooms are dead and it's really sad but and then it, it's always twitter and instagram and facebook aren't 100 percent anonymous anymore whereas chat rooms were so there's a, a, also that kind of issue and you really you ha do have to be careful i don't you know just the, my advice for anyone, not just in the book community or anything involving art, just just stay chill. <laughs> like, just don't take 
the internet or Twitter so seriously because it is, it stays forever. <laughs> and I'm sure I said some, okay, as a teenager, as like a 13, 14 year old that just got on um, Facebook, I'm sure I said some stupid stuff. But, and then, and people are getting into trouble for saying stupid stuff on Facebook in 2010, and now they're like, 29 or something did, did it big gap big gap of growth let it go and people are bringing this like stuff up for, by like by writers or um opinion necromancy one of my friends introduced me to that term and it's not just on just not uh book twitter writing community it's just everywhere people just this person offended me so i'm just gonna do a bunch of research and bring stuff up from 2004 <laughs> and see how much I can destroy yes. them and, and, and t t cancel them. It's yeah, it's, it's just not a good energy. It's, it's not a good energy because I'm not in the sense I'm saying like, Oh, everyone just be happy. Let's not solve problems. No, my point is that's not a good way to solve problems. Yes. There are problems in our culture. Yes. There are things that we can improve, but there are better ways to do it than, than this, than the cancel culture, than, being like uh, overly uh, combative, you know, it's like we can do this in a much more like focused and effective way um, when we're not, when uh, tensions aren't so high. Um, I think it actually makes it more difficult. Yeah. And especially not, uh, definitely also think about don't assume what, because you just, you see, you know, a, a selfie. And you see what you see, of course, that's a selfie. But like I said, don't assume people's personal lives because when you're in, when you're talking to people always, but also just when you're um, trying to one up someone or have a case for cancel culture, that, I mean, you could, it happened with Kara and that other young adult contemporary thing issue where you insult them and they're like, well, actually, <laughs> and then it's just, it just goes silent. And you're like, well, you kind of set yourself up for that because you're assuming based on someone, someone's selfie and what you only know from their Twitter, which is not 100% them. And no one is going to be 100% themselves online because that would be too much. It'd be too much. <laughs> Can't do that. Yeah. That's not the place for it. It's not real life. Yeah. It's a separate realm. Yeah, and if you're, you know, if someone critiques this um, for you or for me, what we've said, but you don't know our past, you don't know anyone's past unless you sit down and have a huge conversation about it. <laughs> so also when it comes to talking on Twitter, just kind of, I would say, go more level-headed, be more open, and just have having a real conversation and not go in with an outline of your arguments and at the bottom notes of like insults of what to say. If this person says something in this manner, <laughs> like let's just, let's try and be a little more open-minded. I think that's the, the treat each other like people. Yeah, <laughs> just the best. It's yeah. I personal opinion. I think that's the best way to go forward with any, conversation and i think you get more headway when you're a bit open and you don't assume anything well you can assume some stuff but 
when it's more, like a personal stuff, yeah, don't assume that <laughs> because no one knows except that person. I agree. I agree. Well, we are out of time. <laughs> this has been yet another very in-depth um, conversation that can continue ad infinitum if if, if wanted. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming in and talking about this. I I think it's really important, and um, I hope the conversation continues. If you all want to tell us how wrong we are, you yes, can tweet at us or whatever. <laughs> oh, so what are some ways that people can keep in touch with you if they want to send you hate mail or <laughs> or they want to read your book? Um, yeah, <laughs> you can Google Nicole Pierman and find all that stuff. But I'm on uh, YouTube, Wattpad. I'm blanking. There's just a lot of stuff. YouTube, Wattpad, Twitter in goodreads yeah i think i got all that yeah but it's i use my real name for everything so yeah <laughs> and i'll include uh show i'll include links to that in the show notes in case anyone yes wants, wants that's a good directly. idea i forgot yeah. about that <laughs> yes all right well, well thank you again i hope you have an awesome weekend thank you everyone stay cool on twitter yeah but always critique that's a good thing just you know as Andrew, as Andy Orhall said, keep critiquing and just make art. It's good. It's all good. That was my conversation with Nicole. Big shout out to Brandon, my top patron, who is also the world deity of the Females of Fantasy podcast. All hail. Next time on the show, we'll be hearing from Catherine Hudson to talk about dark female characters. It'll be an episode all about antiheroes, morally gray protagonists, and what our preferences for or against dark characters really says about us. Until then, this has been the Females in Fantasy Podcast. I am Brianna Da Silva. Thanks for listening.